October is National Bullying Prevention Month. This global campaign was founded in 2006, and it unites communities around the world to educate and raise awareness of bullying prevention and how to keep kids safe at school, online, and in the community. To learn more about this international movement, Ivy's Director of Social Impact, Annabe Sullivan, sat down with Jane Clementi. Jane's son, Tyler, was the victim of a horrible act of cyberbullying at Rutgers University in 2010. At the age of 18, Tyler took his own life several days after the experience. His death brought national attention to the issue of cyberbullying and the harassment facing LGBT youth. In the wake of Tyler's passing, Jane co-founded the Tyler Clementi Foundation, which is on a mission to end online and offline bullying. The foundation also sheds light on the important distinction between in-person bullying and cyberbullying. In this conversation, Jane talks about her inspiration to share Tyler's story, why bullying exists, and how to teach our youth to navigate the complex world of cyberbullying in the age of social media. Please enjoy our conversation with Jane Clementi. Jane, thank you so much for joining the Ivy Podcast. What inspired you to start the Tyler Clementi Foundation and share Tyler's story? You know, it was not something that came naturally um, in the wake of his passing. For whatever reason, Tyler's story drove um, or created a media stir. Um, Sadly, there were many other young people that passed in and around the same time for, for pretty much the same reasons. And for whatever reason, Tyler's story did create a great deal of media attention. And it was at that point I was very numb and pretty dead inside that I did not um, (laughs) jump to share him with the public. Um, But as time progressed, I could see that his story in the headlines did create a lot of attention and it did create conversation. And I think it helped move Um, the conversation towards respect and towards equality. And I do believe it has had a positive impact. And by seeing that positive impact, it has allowed me to want to share him a little bit more with with whoever wants to hear at this point. Um, But I do want to share him and share his story because I want those conversations to continue. I want um, something good to come out of this really terrible, terrible situation. The CDC defines bullying as any unwanted aggressive behavior among youth involving a power imbalance. Do you agree with that definition? How would you define bullying? I agree with most of that, except I don't think that it's just between school-aged children. I do believe bullying does not magically disappear when someone turns 18 years old. My son Tyler was... 18, and he was humiliated by his college dormant um, in the fall of 2010. And that's where I became actively interested in finding solutions and finding reasons for bullying behavior. But it is certainly unwanted, aggressive behavior, and it is also usually a power struggle between people and almost in young people and close maybe all people, it's sort of like a pecking order and people want to be at the top of the pecking order and in order to get there, they have to humiliate and target other people to knock them down. And that's what we're trying to change is the attitudes and actions that cause people to think that they need to do that instead of excelling in their own right, um, humiliating someone else to knock them down. 
Your foundation and other institutions have done studies on the reasons why people are the targets of bullying, as well as the scale of the problem. Depending on the polls, the reasons why people are the targets of bullying includes anything that sets someone apart, gender, gender identity, ethnicity, race, abilities, disabilities, social awkwardness, and studies have found that the number one reason was sexual orientation, real or perceived. Also, bullying is hard to measure, but the foundation's polls have found that 75 to 80 percent of young people knew someone who had been cyberbullied, and over 50 percent had self-identified that they had been the target of cyberbullying. That's a big problem. And yet some people feel that it's a rite of passage. I don't believe that. I, I believe that we can prevent that the scars and pain that sometimes are lifelong because of bullying and humiliation. I don't believe we all need to experience that. I don't believe anyone should experience that. People believe it's a rite of passage? Sometimes that's how they refer to it. It's sort of a rite of passage. And of growing up? Of growing up. Offline bullying has happened for years and years and years. But I think with the advent of technology, it exponentiates, it makes it even larger, the pain and the, the suffering and the humiliation. And I do not think that it is. And it should be prevented. How is cyberbullying different from in-person bullying? Well, any type of humiliation or harassment or bullying that occurs in the digital cyber world would be what we would now consider cyberbullying. And I think some of the things that um, make cyberbullying a little different than offline bullying or in-person bullying, I think there's pretty much three different characteristics. One is that there's an anonymity. People don't necessarily see the pain that they're inflicting on another person when they're um, sending out texts or posts or tweets about another person. Also, they think they can hide behind the anonymity. Sometimes people aren't even using their own names. And even when they do, they don't see that pain. I mean, the people that were targeting Tyler Many of them had never met Tyler, and Tyler had never met many of the people that were targeting them. Also, the, what makes it different is that in the space of the digital world, something can go viral, and thousands of people can see it at one time, maybe even millions if something goes really viral. Um, as opposed to in-person bullying is usually maybe if it's youth bullying could be happening in a classroom of maybe 10 people, 20 people on the, on the, in the schoolyard, maybe 50 people. But in the digital playground, so to speak, it could be thousands or maybe even more than that, hundreds of thousands of people. And I think the biggest thing that makes sets it apart is that you can't escape the bully and you sometimes the target becomes their own worst enemy. I think we saw that in Tyler's situation. He could not help himself but continue to go back and look at the tweets and the posts about him. Um, his roommate, if you're not aware of Tyler's story, had set up a live camera uh, um, to live stream Tyler in a sexual encounter with another man. And then shortly after that, Tyler must have felt very humiliated and desperate because Tyler died by suicide um, on September 22nd, 2010. And that is what made us very much aware of what was happening. And one of the things we found out was that Tyler continued to log into those posts and tweets. 
He became almost his own worst enemy, as I said before. He could not escape the words of people who were just trying to humiliate him and use him as a, as a laugh or a joke. And it was at that point that I think Tyler's reality became very distorted and twisted. And that's what happens when you can't escape that cyberbullying. We have to make sure that we can get out of it. It's not meaning that you have to t turn off the electronic um, social media network completely because in this day and age, that's unrealistic for a parent to think that they can separate their children or even themselves from social media because I do believe the digital technology is a useful tool. It connects us. It keeps us connected to people. It speeds up um, uh, communications between people. But unfortunately, it can also be used as a weapon of great harm and destruction, as in the case of Tyler um, and so many other young people today. So that's why we need to make sure young people know how to present their character in the space all the spaces they enter into, even including the digital cyberspace, um, social media. Platforms may change, but the social media aspect and the technology, um, we need to know how to act in that space. It's sort of like the Wild West of our day. Uh, it's not something I grew up in with, certainly. And even young people today, they have no one to look for, up to, to know how to help them navigate this space. And I think we need to help teach them that. As a family member, how do you identify that bullying is affecting your child or your sibling? Probably harder to identify in some people. I know Tyler did not share it and he did not have any warning signs. And part of it was maybe that he was not in daily contact because we had just moved him into a dorm. Um, so it, it was a different situation for us and we were learning to navigate that world. But Certainly there are symptoms that some people do exhibit. Um, uh, someone who used, at one point liked going to school might withdraw and may not want to go to school, might not want to face the aggressor in that situation, might not, um, might withdraw from friends, from existing groups that they participated in, activities that they enjoyed. Um, certainly a change in behavior is one key factor. As I said, it's not observable in everyone. Tyler, I think, learned how to hide himself very well. He, he learned to hide his sexual orientation from us. And I think this was just one more thing that he was able to hide. Many youth that I've spoken to do say that their parents are the last person that they would tell or share it with. And that's where we have to keep um, teaching and keep sharing that. It's important to share and it's important to make sure that the people that love you most are there to be able to help you. Um, I think um, one way a parent must support their child is to um, talk with their child, allow them to verbalize what's happening, allow them to help come to a solution depending on the age appropriateness of that. A five-year-old is much different than a 12-year-old and an 18-year-old, but as appropriate, age appropriate as possible, help allow them to help be part of the solution. Um, certainly if they need um, someone to stand up for them, you should be there to stand up. And I just wish that I could have done that. And unfortunately, Tyler did not allow that to happen. Since family members may be the last to know about bullying, who can effectively intervene? 
What we have learned is that in all bullying situations, or at least 80% of them, there's the target and there's the aggressor and there's bystanders, the third party being bystanders. And so whoever is that bystander, if it's a peer, if it's an administrator, if it's faculty or a teacher or a coworker or a parent, it's that bystander that needs to stand up and speak out. They need to learn to identify a problem and then they need to intervene if they feel safe and if they don't feel safe or if their intervention doesn't change the behavior, they need to tell a trusted adult, if it's a child, or tell an authority person, if it's an adult to an adult, because telling isn't the same as tattling. And we have to make sure that youth know that and it's not the same as gossip. If your intention is to help someone, you need to report it. You need to... Um, take action. And the most, and the third most important thing is to reach out to the, the um, victim or the target. So to make sure that they are safe, to make sure that they have their resources, know how to find their resources, as well as maybe even just a comment of like, we're here for you, you know, be an encouragement, be a support to that person. Make sure they know that either as in Tyler's situation, we found, we learned that because there was witness after witness after witness that had reported it. Um, and we're called up on the witness stand in the trial and not one person apparently spoke, reached out, reported it or intervened or spoke to Tyler. And I do think that that could have had a, made a drastic difference in the end of, in the story. Um, maybe it wouldn't have been an end at all. It would have just been a continuation or even into a new beginning. So I think it's important that we use that power of the bystander to become an upstander. That's what we can call it, become an upstander. Someone speaks out and stands up. What are some of the reasons why bystanders might not intervene? Uh, could be several. One, I would think, is they're trying to stay low on the radar. And if they bring attention on themselves, then maybe they will get the wrath of the aggressive person on them and they will become the target. So many youth prefer to stay under the radar and not um, speak out. Others might have their own biases and prejudices and they may think that what the aggressive person is saying and doing is acceptable. And that's where we really need to delve a little deeper um, into misguided traditions and biases uh, or teachings and traditions that create bias and prejudice in our generate in our culture. Um, and that's where we need a culture shift. One towards kindness actually would be nice. There are a number of tools on your website to learn how to become an upstander and to take additional action. For example, the day one campaign aims to prevent bullying from happening by having a person of authority set the boundaries, expectations, and guidelines in a new work or school environment to let the community know that bullying isn't acceptable. In addition, the Upstander Pledge provides some tips for bystanders to intervene appropriately, such as reaching out to targets of bullying to ensure they're okay and have all the resources they need. Also, as of today, there's no federal legislation to prevent bullying in college, so you're advocating for the first pieces of legislation to help reduce bullying in college with the Tyler Clementi Higher Education Anti-Harassment Act. I'm not a proponent of legislation, 
But some people need those boundaries, you know. Some people need to um, understand how far you can go in a, in, in being acceptable behavior. Um, I want to delve deeper and change hearts and minds so that we don't need that legislation. But I do think legislation plays a part and is one of the voices that we need and one of the components we need to create that safe space. Jane Clemente, thank you so much for sharing your story and for all you're doing to prevent bullying. For more information on ways to take action, please visit the Tyler Clemente Foundation at tylerclemente.org backslash take dash action. That's our show for this week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life. And our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. Check us out at ivy.com for life-changing advice and gatherings, and the foremost thought leaders shaping our world today. For more information about the Ivy community, and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us via membership at ivy.com. Dream big and stay inspired.